Hey, what's going on? Good evening. Good evening. My name is Mariah Rose and welcome to another episode of Out Loud and Unfiltered. I am super, super glad that you were able to join me for tonight's podcast. I bless and I thank God that we made it through another week and it's Monday. It is the Monday after daylight savings time. (laughs) And oh my goodness, I am fried. I was telling one of my coworkers, I, no matter how much you prepare, you go to bed early the night before, you make sure all your clocks are set. I mean, most of our clocks do it for us with the exception of a few, probably. I think the only clock I had to really make sure was set were the microwaves, the clock on the stove, and the clock in my car. Everything else, it automatically did it. When I woke up yesterday morning, I was like, no, it's too soon. And we had to get up and we had to go to church. And I was drained the rest of the afternoon. And so then today, you know, I have a daytime job. I have to log in every day for work because I'm working from home for now. And it was a rough Monday, the Monday after daylight savings time. And we lost that hour because we had to spring forward. I have to say, I am a fan of Arizona right now because Arizona never changes their time. (laughs) And I wish the rest of us would get on board. So I hope everybody's Monday went well and is continuing to go well. I hope your weekend was wonderful. Thank you for joining me uh, for this evening's podcast. Um, I am at Out Loud Movement on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you'd like to follow me for poetry, spoken word, and things like that, you can find me at Mariah's Thoughts on Instagram and on Twitter. I've not been on TikTok in a little over a week, maybe two weeks. I don't know, guys. I don't think TikTok is for me. Uh, I have a lot to learn about TikTok and stuff like that. So I'm not going to delete the page. Y'all pray for me. I might get a little active after I figure out what exactly it is that I'm doing. At any rate, I want to get right to it. Um, I always say this. I always say, you know, I don't know how long the this episode is going to last or the podcast is going to be because I never want to just be talking for the sake of saying words like, right, I want my words to mean something. I want them to be impactful. And I didn't know, again, once again, I I try to plan (laughs) what I'm going to talk about every week. And as God would have it the last couple of weeks, not so much. So I didn't know until like this afternoon what I wanted to talk about. And tonight we're talking survival of the fittest. And when I posted on social media, I asked the question, is there such thing as being, you know, too strong for your own good? Um, And is it ever okay to not be okay? So if you all remember last week, I had, I did the piece that I wrote about birthing. I said I was in a bit of a funk and I was kind of dealing with some things and I wanted to share uh, and be transparent. This is more than likely a continuation of that. Um, And so I'm going to dive right into survival of the fittest. And uh, we're going to do a bit of dabbling or discussion about the natural as it relates to the spiritual in terms of survival of the fittest. And hopefully what I feel God is leading me to share and what he has given me to deal with in terms of my own walk and the stage and the season of life that I'm currently traversing uh, will touch the hearts, minds, and spirits of other people. So here we go. Um, okay, so who doesn't know who 
Charles Darwin is. Like most of us, if not all of us, know who Charles Darwin was. I'm sorry. Um, so for kicks and giggles, though, I'm just going to make sure because I always define a word or something. I am going to talk about him just briefly because he and the theory of Darwinism have a lot to do with what I want to talk about tonight in terms of survival of the fittest. So Charles Darwin, he was a naturalist, a geologist. He was this biologist who contributed to the evolutionary biology, uh, the, the, the theory that postulated that all species of life descended from common ancestors, i.e. monkeys evolved into humans. That that's the guy, if you believe that. I don't happen to believe I am the descendant of a monkey, but you know, you like it, I love it. That's not what Christians believe. So anyway, Darwinism itself is a theory of bio, uh, biological evolution. It states that all species of organisms arise and develop through natural selection of small inherited variations that increase the individual's ability to compete, survive, and reproduce. Now, more to the point that I want to talk about is this this kind of social spin on Darwinism. And, of course, it's called social Darwinism, which is a theory that uh, individuals, groups, and people are subject to the same Darwinian laws of natural selection, like plants and animals. Um, and so, of course, this was largely discredited because it was being used by someone named Herbert Spencer, who was an English philosopher, a biologist, an anthropologist, and sociologist from the late 19th and early 20th centuries. He used it to justify political conservatism, imperialism, and racism, and, and, and he used it to discourage intervention and reform. I would argue that there are still social Darwinians that walk among us, okay? And they use this social Darwinism theory that has been largely discredited as an excuse for the way that they treat other people or other groups of people. And, and, and I don't want to go there, but there are still social Darwinians that walk among us. I believe it wholeheartedly. You've probably seen or experienced a social Darwin <laughs> person. But anyway, um, survival of the fittest. I don't know about you, but as I was coming up as uh, a young person, as a youth, as a child, um, I never really saw that it was okay to demonstrate vulnerability or weakness. I never really saw that it was um, something that was normal. I saw emotion expressed, albeit many times the emotion that I experienced or that I witnessed was anger. Uh, I've mentioned on previous episodes, you know, that I was brought up in a single parent household. But for the first 10 years of my life, my father was there and he was a very angry man. And um, I witnessed some physical abuse um, over that time frame. But I saw anger. I never saw vulnerability. If I saw crying, it was as a result of the strife, the tension, the the division and the conflict that was going on in the house. Um, aside from, you know, crying at a funeral, I never really understood and it was never communicated to me that it was okay to be vulnerable, you know. And so fast forward to when my father actually left, I was 10 years old. All of a sudden, yes, I'm the oldest. I was always the oldest, but I'm, I'm now forced in this position to be way more responsible than I think a 10 year old should have been. And it's not a knock against my mom. It just, 
is what it is. Those are the cards that I was dealt at that time in my life where I was cooking, I was cleaning, I was babysitting constantly. I was picking kids up from daycare because my mother worked two jobs. I was doing all of these things that most 10 year olds don't normally have to do. I mean, they do them, but not on the level or the scale that I was doing them. At any rate, I watched my mother in her strength. Very rarely did I see my mother emotionally vulnerable. I remember when my dad first left and um, my sister, my baby sister, wasn't even a month old. And I remember my aunt and my grandmother coming over to the house and we all had to help clean because mom had the baby. And I don't remember my mom coming out of her room very much. And I'm pretty sure she was sad. I'm pretty sure she experienced some depression because I don't believe that the the at that time the divorce was finalized. But dad was already out of the house. I remember the day that he packed his bags and he left. I was in the sixth grade. At any rate, aside from that and maybe one or two other instances, I do not ever remember my mother displaying any show of weakness, any sign of weakness. And I've mentioned on previous podcasts that we went to church, but I did not witness um, a Christ-like lifestyle lived out in my presence, in front of me. I didn't see that demonstrated, Um, not regularly. I was told you go to church, you know, I knew of God. Um, I went to Sunday school and hated it because I got picked on. But there was no outward display of a, a close, tight relationship or evidence or fruit of a relationship with God that I ever saw. So showing emotion, showing vulnerability, showing weakness was foreign to me. Fast forward to now. And I don't know how many people have walked this path. I don't know how many people are currently walking this path, but it has been an ongoing process for me to come out of that because I've recognized that yes, yes, you can be too strong for your own good. And it can be very toxic. It can be damaging not only to you, but to the people that are around you. How can that be, Mariah? I'm glad you asked. So imagine someone who is used to handling everything, used to handling anything, somebody who has no choice but to put everything on their shoulders and say, well, somebody's got to do it. And if I don't, it won't get done. I'll handle it. I'll figure it out. It could be a single mom, a single dad. It could be anybody who has dealt with a multitude or an abundance of, of, of tragedy or, or, you know, problems and issues in life. These people, we, we build up this resistance, so to speak. We build up this resistance to adversity and we kind of get numb to it and we say, I'll just deal with it. Meanwhile, on the inside, we are breaking down. We are falling apart. We are developing unhealthy coping mechanisms. We are becoming strong and we are in survival mode, but we are not necessarily the fittest, right? Because at some point we have to deal with these things that we compartmentalize and we bury. And at some point in time, the things that we we decide to tuck away will surface. And usually this manifests, like I said before, in an unhealthy coping mechanism. Some people start drinking, some people use drugs, some people build walls, 
themselves to the point where they, you know, ostracize everybody from their lives and their loners and they don't like to attach themselves to people. So they they might develop unhealthy relationships. Some people, you know, I mean, unfortunately, people resort to, you know, suicide or suicidal ideation, you know, things like that begin to manifest when we have this unhealthy, I'm strong, I can handle it. Another example would be men. As young boys, most men, I'm not going to say all men, but a lot of men, a good portion of men, they come up without being told that it's okay to be emotional, that it's okay to be vulnerable. Suck it up. Don't be a punk. Don't be a wimp. Blah, blah, blah. You know, men don't cry. You know, you, you suck that up and you handle it. Drive on. You know, that kind of thing. And so then you have men who are unable to demonstrate or unable to display emotion in a healthy way because they've always been taught you have to be strong. Situations come in life where, yes, you do have to be strong. But on the spiritual side of it, when God tells us to cast our cares on him, cast all of our cares on him for he cares for us, he means for us to do just that, put it down and not pick it back up and not worry about it because he'll handle it. I am not going to throw a bunch of scriptures. I do have scriptures because I always have scriptures, but I'm not going to throw a bunch of scriptures. I have been in a position where I didn't want to hear a scripture. I have been that person who has had to have my hand on everything. I am that person who has had to say, I'll handle it. I'll be okay. It is okay. It's going to be okay. I can deal with it. I'll fix this. I have been this person who has never really been able to let a thing go into someone else's hands and trust them because if I can't do it, no one else can. And I don't know about you, but that's not a healthy place to be because then you begin to project your frustration because you do get frustrated. You get tired. You get weighed down. Maybe you're losing sleep. Maybe you're not eating or you're eating too much. That's another unhealthy coping mechanism. My crutch is food, by the way. I am a stress eater. But anyway, we begin to project those frustrations onto others or whether we intend to or not, our children begin to pick up our habits And they either decide it is for themselves. They'll decide if you haven't told them that it is or is not okay to display emotion. So at what point do we lay it down and do we say, God, take this because I can't? At what point do we, 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 uh, break down walls and allow someone to get close? It is a process. And I would say it is it is a process that I'm still in the midst of. I have my moments, you know, I have my moments. I'm, I remember when I first moved to Texas and I didn't have a job yet and my divorce wasn't finalized. And I remember not wanting to ask anybody for help. I don't ever remember my mom asking anybody for help. Maybe she asked for rides and it could be. You know, even in my older age, in my adulthood, that there are things that I don't know that transpire. You know, kids don't know everything. We don't hear every conversation. We don't see every adult interaction. So she may have asked for help and she didn't get it. Or she may have asked for help and got to the place where she felt like, ah, I don't want to ask anymore because I feel like I'm bothering someone. 
Or it could be that she just didn't ask for help at all. And she was like, I'll deal with it. I'll handle it. I don't need help. Any one of the three of those things is not good. I've been in all of those positions. And so when I first moved here, I remember I remember having to humble myself and accept help. I remember having to humble myself and ask for help. And if you're anything like me, asking that first step, you it's one of the most difficult things that you could ever do in your life is to humble yourself and say, help me. I don't care if it's I need $5 for gas. I don't care if it's can you loan me $50 for groceries. I don't care if it's, hey, you know, uh, I remember my son needed a haircut once and I didn't have the money and school was getting ready to start. And there was a barber that was a member of the church that I was going to. And I asked him and I was heartbroken that I had to fix my mouth to do it. But I asked him, you know, I can pay you later, but can you please, because I can't send my baby to school looking nappy headed like that. Can you please cut his hair? I remember doing that. And I was so ashamed. I remember there were Christmases where I didn't have money to buy Christmas gifts. And I remember there were times when I needed help with rent. And I would wait until the absolute last minute, uh, you know, to reach out to people. And they'd always say, why didn't you ask? Why did you wait till the last minute? Well, in the process of Learning to humble myself and asking for help and getting over the shame and stigma that comes sometimes behind help. I then had to overcome that I'm being a burden or a bother to other people feeling. That's why I would wait till the last minute because I didn't want to be a bother. I didn't want to be a burden. I'm a grown woman. I got kids. I have a job. It's not paying me a lot of money. I should be able to take care. I should be in a better spot than I am right now. I should be able to take care of my kids. Social Darwinism. Right. And it, it and, and, and the thing of it is, I didn't know it was social Darwinism until I learned what social Darwinism really was. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you feel like I should be able to do this. I should be able to do that. At some point, you know, you you may not say it in the terms that you've heard people say it. But at some point you feel like I've gone to college. I have a job. I have degrees. I should be making this amount of money. Why am I not in a better better place than I am right now? This sort of pull myself up by my bootstraps. The, the playing field was level for me. Why aren't things working out like they work out for everybody else? And I hope that makes sense because it might not have been you, but it was definitely me at one point in my life. And I felt like I have to be stronger. I have to be better. I have to handle this. I have to fix this. And I consistently prayed about things. And as soon as I got up from prayer, I took them out of God's hands. And so I found myself in survival mode. Survival mode is not a good thing. It is not, I would argue, survival is not life. It's not the life that God intended. Survival is more like doing whatever you got to do to get by. It is barely scraping by. It's like the three little pigs, like not by the hair on my chinny chin chin, like just like barely 
getting by. And and when you wake up from the previous day, you are exhausted. When you wake up from the previous day, you are worn out because you spent that time exerting every ounce of energy that you had trying to fix things that may, A, have been beyond your control, B, couldn't be fixed by you alone, or C, weren't meant to be fixed at all. And I had trouble differentiating between some of those scenarios. I don't know what kind of background noise you all are hearing. You know, I'm here in Texas and it is cutting up outside. So if you hear thunder and lightning and rain and all of that, God bless you. (laughs) I hope it's dry and sunny where you are. At any rate, um, I had trouble differentiating between all of those things. And life was very hard for me because when you introduce all of these elements that are beyond your control in, in, in many circumstances or, or you know, not necessarily beyond your control in the sense that you can't do anything about them, but maybe the timing is not there for you, or maybe it's just a, a matter of resources, or maybe it is just a willful, you know, stubbornness that I'm going to do this myself and I'm not going to ask for help. You have some sleepless nights. You have a lot of stress. And that impacts those who are around you. And I, I've noticed even long-term effects, you know, of, of, of that mindset on all three of my children. And so we have to, I believe, come to a place where we abandon this thought that only the strong survive. That's the way the world does it. That's the way the world interprets survival of the fittest. In the spirit, in the kingdom, in Christendom, in, in, in God's way of doing things, it is not a matter of only the strong survive. Not, not that way, not in the traditional sense. Because as the scripture that I have for us tonight will tell us, when we are at our weakest, we are strong. And we're strong because we're leaning on him. It is his strength that carries us from day to day. It is it is his strength that allows us to take joy in tribulation, not celebrate tribulation, but look at the good side. You know, look at the bright side, make lemonade out of lemons or whatever you want to call it. It is when we lean in him and his strength that we're able to do those things that we're able to grow and that we're able to get out of some of the toxic and damaging coping mechanisms that we've acquired over our lifetimes um, when we decide that we want to be strong in ourselves. And I feel like I've been in kind of that mode in that season a little bit. Like I told you it was a a process. It is a process. And, and it is a process that I'm still in the midst of because I'm a fixer. I'm an analytical person. I like to keep my hands on things. I need to know A, B, and C. And I know that God is not analytical. And I know that he doesn't have to give me all of the parts in between A, B, all the way to Z. Um, and so from time to time, he'll come back and he'll say, you know, Mariah, that's not how this works. And I really believe he wanted me to talk about that tonight. Um, so survival of the fittest, what is it that caused you, any of you who are listening tonight, what is it that caused you to decide that you alone were responsible for fixing a situation or handling 
a, a situation, uh, dealing with the trauma that no one else around you could help you. You know, like I said, I had to overcome that feeling of being a burden to other people. And that required that I changed my circle um, because there were people who were willing to help. There were people who were like, you know, okay, I've helped you enough, you know, and I can understand that to a degree, depending on the context in which it said there are some people who were like in my life who were like, how dare you ask me for help? I can't help you. I don't want to help you. I help enough people. I got other people to help. And it wasn't a nice kind of, I'm sorry, I can't right now. It was just like I said, how dare you ask me to help you? And so that pushed me back several steps to, I'll just do it myself. And I have made so many messes in my life doing it myself. And I've had to learn And there are levels to this, and I continue to learn that the less I touch it, the more God is glorified when he actually is the one to put his hand to and fix it. And and that's the funny thing, because God doesn't need our help. He's never needed our help. He needs us to do our part. Yes, he wants us to do our part. You know, we can't just sit and expect stuff to fall out of the sky. We have to, you know, speak and profess in faith. We have to walk uh, in faith. And we know the word says that faith without works is dead. So that we have to walk uprightly before God in faith, doing whatever it is that we believe that God is going to bless us in. And we speak those things that are not as though they were, but he doesn't need our help. He needs us to be obedient. He needs us to do our part. He doesn't need us to put our hand to a thing that he's already worked out and get to fiddling and messing with stuff. And and for a long time, that was my problem. But it was because of outside influences. And that's not an excuse so much as it is an explanation as to why I went back into the shell and decided I could just do it myself. And survival is more like existing And if you think about just existing, that means you get up and you're just here, not operating in purpose necessarily, not doing what you love to do most, not enjoying life. You are just here breathing air. Who wants to just survive? Who wants to just exist? Who wants to just be here? I believe that we've all been created with purpose that we all have a reason for being here, that there are things that we're supposed to accomplish. Maybe we're not all meant to be rock stars and celebrities, and maybe we're um, not all meant to be lawyers and doctors, but we are meant for something. God had a purpose for each and every one of us, and he doesn't make mistakes. So we're not meant to just survive. And we can't say, if we're spirit-filled and spirit-led, we can't say that only the strong survive because how are we defining strength when we say that? Because if we're defining strength the way the world defines strength and we say only the strong survive and we subscribe to social Darwinism, so to speak, the, the thing that, that, that was used, that is still used, if you ask me, to justify, you know, political conservatism, imperialism, and racism. It, and, and the thing that is used to discourage intervention and reform. 
If we define strength the way the world does, we are in a whole world of trouble. Just think about it for a minute. Strength the way the world says. That means you step on whoever you need to step on to get where you're trying to go. And if they can't hack it, oh, well, that's their problem, not mine. It feeds into apathy. It feeds into competitive nature. It feeds into division and discord. It feeds into this this thought that somebody or a group of people is better than someone else or another group of people. And because of that superiority, that the lesser of the two won't thrive, won't survive. And that is not kingdom thinking. And we as Christians, and you know, for anybody who doesn't know Christ, you know, first of all, Jesus loves you. He's always loved you. There's nothing about you that can separate you from his love. But we as Christians and we as believers cannot define strength the way that the world does. Because if we do, we will set ourselves up for failure every single time we do it. Every single time we step out of kingdom thinking and spiritual thinking about strength as we know it, strength as the way the word of God describes it. And we slide over into the world's definition of strength and we say only the strong survive. The enemy is going to tear us up because we're not fighting with the weapons that God has equipped us with. We are leaning to worldly standards, fighting a spiritual battle. And there's no way that you can win a war that way. There's no way that you can come out on top that way. And I think it's hard because we want to, I think innately, somewhere deep down, you want to depend on other people. On some level, you want to be able to trust someone enough to say, hey, I need help. I don't care if it's help with your mental health. It could be help with finances, getting on your feet. You might need a place to stay. I remember there was a season where I didn't have a place to stay. I'd been evicted. And my children um, went to go and live with my mother for a summer. And I was sending her money, you know, as much as I could for that summer they were gone because they were gone for an entire summer from June to August. My babies were gone and I was living with someone. And I remember, you know, a place came available. Uh, the place that I'm I'm living in now, it came available. This was seven, almost eight years ago. And um, I had to choose between paying the deposit on this place or paying the person that... Um, I was staying with, you know, because we had agreed on a payment uh, while I was staying with her. And I'd ask this person if I could make a payment arrangement. And if you've never had to make a payment arrangement, juggle, rob Peter to pay Paul, God bless you, because I've had to do it. Um, And for those of you all who have had to do it, you understand, you know, sometimes you just absolutely hate having to do it. At any rate, I did. And she was like, yeah, sure, no problem. So I made the arrangement with her so that I could pay the deposit on the place. She came back later and was like, no, I'm not okay with it. Never mind. Anyway, there was this argument and she said the words, I have helped you enough. And I will never forget that that was said to me in the way that it was said, because we had already had this discussion and she kind of in this Indian giver kind of way came back and said, no, never mind. 
and essentially was like, I don't care what's going on with you. I want what I want. I know what I said, but what I said doesn't matter. I want this now. Um, it worked out in the end. I was able to kind of make some other arrangements um, so that we could get into our place and my mom could bring my babies back to me and we could get back to a semblance, some semblance of a normal life. Um, but I remember how horrible I felt, you know, that I had even asked that person for any kind of help because she didn't understand First of all, what it was like to have to make a payment arrangement <laughs> and kind of juggle some things around. She didn't understand that. She'd never had to do that. Um, and I get the sense that she helped me when I needed the help because she felt obligated to, not necessarily because her heartbeat was to do that. Um, she she did it because she felt like she had to. Um, and that's the worst thing that you can do to somebody is make them feel like they're a burden and just say, well, I'm only helping you because I felt like I had to or it was an obligation, but I've done enough. So I don't want to do any more. You you either help out of the goodness of your heart or you don't want to. You set some, or you say you don't want to, I should say, or you set some guidelines in place and you say, OK, I'll help you under these conditions. Like there's a discussion, there's a conversation. And then once you 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 come to an understanding, you operate based on that understanding that didn't happen for me in this instance. The understanding that I thought I had was changed um, because someone felt like they wanted to change their minds. And it was that simple. There was no logic behind it. There was no, well, you know, I made a mistake or there was a misunderstanding. It was just, eh, I've changed my mind. I thought about it some more and I don't want to do things this way. So figure it out because I want what I want. I went and back into that hole, back into that box of, well, God, I'll just fix it myself. And God was like, no, 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 no. I supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. So you should come to me, you know, and I've gotten to the place where, you know, every once in a while, even since then, I would be like, eh, but I'm gonna go see for myself and touch it. And God is like, okay, go ahead. I'm going to let you see, even though you should know by now. Kind of that children of Israel kind of mindset. And I, I mean, I've gotten better, but I need to get even more better, <laughs> if that's the right way to say that. And so whoever's listening, if you keep touching it, trying to fix it and, and do it yourself, stop it. Just stop it. Because I have made some colossal messes. And we know that even though God is a, a wonderfully merciful God and he will bring you, you know, out of things, he doesn't necessarily remove the consequences for our bad decisions. And he doesn't remove the consequences for, you know, our putting our hand to things that he told us to keep our hands off of. So I said all of that to say that there is a such thing as being too strong. Because when you're too strong, you don't know when to let go. And maybe sometimes when it's time to let go, you see, I know I have, you see letting go as a weakness, as a vulnerability, as failure. And it's not. Sometimes you have to let go to regain your footing. You have to readjust your grip. You have to go back to the drawing board. You have to say, God, this is the situation that I'm facing and I can't face and fix it by myself. Tell me what to do. Put me in the presence of the right people that will guide and direct and instruct me in your way that will help bring clarity to the situation, that will help bring resolution to the situation. What about my life? What about the decisions that I'm making? What about what I'm doing? 
is causing me to have to deal with this? What about my life is causing me to have to um, move in such a way that I feel like I got to fix it myself, that I have to be strong so that I can survive? Because I believe that God has called us to greatness in our own respective places and that he's called us to thrive, that he's called us to live um, our version of heaven on earth. Like we don't have to wait until we leave this life and get to the next to experience heaven, um, so to speak, to like have a good life and to have nice things and to be happy and to be full of joy. A lot of that is mindset, but a lot of it is understanding that we are called to lean in him. Because the word says that in him, we move, we breathe, we live, we have our being. You know, I mean, we came from him. He walked out this life. You know what I'm saying? He walked it out before we were even born. He called the end from the beginning. And so he knows how this thing is supposed to go for us. He knows how this thing is supposed to work. He understood from the beginning what we would need in order to reach our goals and our dreams. He knew what aspirations we would have. He gave us the gifts, you know, that we would need to share with the people of this world, you know, whatever that might be, however large or small your circles are, he equipped us with everything that we needed. And all we have is to lean in him for our strength. The other thing is that it's okay to be weak. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to show emotion, male, female, adult, child, it doesn't matter. It's okay to show emotion. What you cannot do is allow your emotion to rule you. You cannot allow your emotion to dictate the decision that you make because that is where we come into problems. There are consequences when we make decisions out of emotion and when we don't take a a moment to step back and assess what we're dealing with. I love how he tells us that it's okay. And he gives us, you know, Jesus Christ, he, there were moments of weakness. If you read the word that Jesus had and the the most prolific moment of weakness that I, I tend to draw on is when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying. Because he was like, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to do it. His flesh didn't want to do it, I should say. He knew what he was called to do. He knew what his purpose was. He knew what had to be done in order for us to be redeemed and have a way back into God's good graces, so to speak. But in that moment, his humanity, in his humanity, he was weak and he was like, I don't want to do this. My flesh does not want to bend and obey this, this, take this cup from me. And in the same breath, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he moved forward in obedience, understanding and knowing what was about to happen to him. And I bless and I thank God for that example, because we all have Garden of Gethsemane moments. And it is in those moments where God can show his strength. And I don't believe And this is just me talking. I don't believe that if God had not had that moment, things would have gone the way that they did, if that makes sense. Like if God, just think about it. If Jesus Christ had the mentality that some of us have and he was like, I'm going to fix it. I'm strong. I can do this. And he was just all about himself and he was all in himself and he 
Only the strong survive and he defines strength the way the world defined it. Would we have our promise of a heavenly home? Like, would we have a way back? Would he have gone all the way to the cross, to death and obedience to the will of God in order for us to be redeemed? Like, would it have played out that way? Or would things have gone differently? Like in his weakness, he could have jumped behind Peter and was like, you know what? All right, Peter, let's go. Instead, he said, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. And he wasn't calling Peter Satan, but he was he was he was calling out the thing that was trying to feed his fear, feed his flesh, because Peter was like, we're not gonna let nobody touch you. Y'all know I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. And Jesus was like, no, essentially, this has to happen. It's necessary. Survival of the fittest. Only the strong survive. It's foolishness. First of all, God has called us beyond survival. And God has called us to strengthen the spirit, not in the natural. Yeah, you have a natural strength. We have a natural endurance, a natural ability to handle situations. But in the natural, this flesh, this mind of ours, it can only handle so much. And after a point, after a period of time, you reach a breaking point. I've heard it said, you know, if you don't take the time to rest, your body will make you rest. In other words, take care of your, you know, physical health, mental and emotional as well. Because I don't know about you, but I've had moments where I've just been going, 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 going. And eventually you crash and you have a day or two or three where either you're sick and you're bedridden and down and you can't do anything or that you just you're not necessarily sick, but you're down and you're not motivated. You can't do anything. You just don't have any strength. You're lucky if you get up every day and you shower. That might look like depression. You can put whatever label you want to put on it, but everybody's had one of those moments, right? Something like that has happened where you're just going, 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 and you don't take a moment, take a beat, as one of my old supervisors would say, and you don't sit down, you don't think about it. Or you don't sit down and you don't consider or you don't inquire of the Lord and say, how do I do this? I can't do this by myself anymore. I need help. There is no shame in asking for help. Granted, you have to trust who it is you're requesting the the assistance from. You have to trust who it is you're asking for the help from. But there's no shame. I remember feeling shame whenever I've had to ask for help. And don't get me wrong, depending on who it was, I'd ask. It'd be like, why are you upset? Why are you ashamed? You don't ever have to worry. You can always ask me. I'm here. And then there are the ones that don't necessarily say that, but they don't say otherwise. So they just kind of leave it up in the air. Now, I don't know about you, but I interpret silence to be an answer, a response of some sort depending on the situation and the context where the, the silence, the heavy, awkward silence is. So there's no shame in asking for help. And under no circumstances are we ever to be ashamed to go to God and ask for his help. I have had times and I still do it. I still do it. God, I need your strength. I need your strength because I understand the difference between my strength and myself, independent of my relationship with God and my strength in God. 
if God's strength wasn't all that in a bag of chips, as we used to say, (laughs) he wouldn't tell us that through him, all things are possible and that there's nothing impossible to him. Like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't say I can do all things in my own strength. It says, the word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I know I said I wouldn't throw a bunch of scriptures. I don't mean to. It's just that those are the things that come to mind as I think about my journey. As I think about my walk with God in relation to life, even in relation to the natural. Because we will always, always have to battle the old man. Yes, you want to bring it under subjection. And yes, you want to walk in the spirit. But nobody is walking in the spirit, talking in tongues, living on cloud nine, 24 seven. There are some real life human moments. And those are the moments that I'm referring to. And there are even moments where you're like, okay, I do not want to hear a scripture. And it's okay to have those moments. As long as you understand that you're not going to get the result that you're looking for until you get up out of that moment and get back in the spirit and get back in alignment with God and seek out his will for your life through the word and wise counsel of those who are around you who walk according to his precepts as well. It's okay to ask for help. You do not have to be strong. And this is even in regards to, you know, all of us have that one person that we know, or maybe it's you specifically, who is the strong one? What do I mean by that? You are the one that everybody goes to when they need advice. You're the one that everybody goes to when they need guidance or help, but you don't have someone that you can go to. Because you're constantly that for everybody around you. And I hope and I pray that you find someone that you can, because everybody needs somebody that they can vent to. Everybody needs somebody that they can talk to on a real level. Everybody wants somebody that they can connect with in their humanity, but that can also help guide and redirect them to the spiritual aspect of this life that we're living. And it's okay to tell somebody, you know what? I don't have a bandwidth today. Can we talk tomorrow? Can we talk next week? I believe that even those of us who are considered, quote, the strong ones have to have the wisdom to unplug and separate. Jesus Christ did it. He would unplug and separate. He went into the wilderness by himself and fasted for 40 days. So we have an example. Do we always follow that example? No, I know I haven't. I haven't fasted, you know, 40 days, no food, no water. I'm pretty sure I don't know. I don't know, but I'm almost certain that I wouldn't have been able to make bread out of the stones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's just be real. Let's be honest for just a second with ourselves. But God is faithful and just to complete the good work that he started in all of us. If we just lean in him and we define strength the way that he does, God is looking to flex his muscles. He is Popeye and we are olive oil. You dig what I'm saying? Like 
He is the almighty God. There is nothing and no one that's stronger than him. Nothing and no one that's wiser than he is. Nothing and no one who is able to do the things that he is able to do. If we just get out of the way and stop trying to do it ourselves. This is not a situation where we can say survival of the fittest. Only only the strong survive matters because it doesn't. Not in the kingdom. When we talk about strength and we talk about only the strong survive, we're talking about the strong in Christ. We're talking about those who are anchored and grounded in Christ. We're talking about those who lean into and depend upon the strength of the almighty God. Those are the ones who thrive versus those of us who have intermittent periods of survival. And it's easy to be overtaken by life, circumstances, and situations. It's easy to go from, you know, Lord, if it's you bid me to come stepping out on the water and then noticing that you're in the midst of the ocean and take your eyes off of Jesus Christ, who is standing there saying, keep your eyes on me. I've been there. I've done that. I understand that. And the process doesn't stop. Every level, there's some ele- element of of the previous test, right? You think about if you've ever been to college or maybe even in some high school settings, a uh, a comprehensive final. And you think about everything in life that you've accomplished, everything you've encountered, everything you've dealt with, heartbreak, success, victory, tragedy, loss, what we perceive and define to be failure. At some point, you encounter tidbits of previous tests in the comprehensive final. And you either recognize and say, "Mm, I know the answer to that. And you get it right. Or you guess. And maybe by a fluke of nature, you get it right. (laughs) You know, when in doubt, pixie. Or you get it wrong because you didn't learn the first time. And so every time we go to touch a thing that God never intended for us to handle on our own. We failed that part of the test. And I mean, I'm being honest and transparent. I failed that part of the test and I failed it a few times, probably even recently, like in the last year, (laughs) you know, uh, for the single folks out there, every time you go and you touch a thing on your own and you get into a relationship that God did not tell you to get into, a relationship you know that God would not approve of because you're looking at the time and you're looking at how long it's been, you know, since you had somebody hold your hand or hug you or whatever the case may be. And you get weak in the sense that the world would say that you're weak and vulnerable and you neglect the spirit and you neglect leaning in God, you're bound to have to repeat that test again. Who wants to start all over again? Who wants to go back to the beginning? And I'm talking to myself like the children of Israel took them 40 years and the first generation did not see the land of Canaan. Just two made it in. Because they kept having to repeat the same test. They kept trying to do it themselves. They kept trying to fix it. They kept turning it back on God. And they kept walking in disobedience. And they didn't figure out that their strength was rooted in God. 
that as long as they were covered by him, walking uprightly with him, working in partnership to get to the promise with him, they were okay and they were going to make it. They kept forgetting. I don't know about you, but I don't want to lean in my own strength anymore. At some point, you get sick and tired of leaning in your own strength. You need a spotter. And oh my God, God is the ultimate spotter. I used to do CrossFit and I only did it for a season. And then this body of mine started telling me, nah, you can't. (laughs) But I remember when we were uh, doing squat presses or something like that. And I might've said the name wrong. Like I said, I didn't do CrossFit long, maybe three months or four months, but we were trying to figure out what our max weight was. And I remember the instructor that day in class saying, if you don't think you can lift it by yourself safely and you think you might need a spotter, you know, let me know and I'll come help. Well, I forget how I might have had like 175 on the um, on the barbell or whatever. And I was like, coach, I don't know. He was like, OK, I'm coming. And as soon as I lifted it off the bar, he was like, you don't need my help. You got it. But then as I increased the weight, I was like, okay, I don't know. And I forget what my max was because it's been a minute. But that last time I needed help, that last time I felt like I wasn't going to be able to squat and get back up with the weight, I was like, hey, coach, I need a spotter. And he was like, all right, I'm here. And he encouraged me all the way down and all the way back up. And he was like, push, 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 you know. That is what God does for us. He spots us. And if we can't handle the way he takes it, he's like, I got it. Just walk it out. You can do it. Push, push, push. My scripture tonight is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. And this is coming from the Amplified Version of the Bible. It says, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. But he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. So I am well pleased with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, and with difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. I hope something that I have said tonight is helpful. Um, I hope and I pray that you know, we all collectively as a body get out of doing things our way and in our own strength. And we begin every day more and more to lean in and on Christ and his strength. Because at the end of the day, that's the only way that we will see the full, perfectly manifested promises and destiny that God has for each and every one of us. Um. And I don't know about you, but I would love in my lifetime to see the manifestation of some promises, the manifestation of some destinies. And I can't do that in my own strength. So if you've heard nothing else from me tonight, know that you are loved by God. Know that I love you, even though I might not know who you are. I love you with the love of Christ. We are kingdom kin. 
know that it's okay to be vulnerable, that it is okay to ask for help, especially when you go to God. God will direct you to, you know, people around you. You know, if you really need help, if you really need resources, if you need a shoulder to lean on and to cry on, he'll he'll illuminate or he'll send somebody to you, you know, because I do believe that you have to use wisdom even in that. And you can't just go to anybody. You can't just tell anybody your business or whatever. But God will direct your path, your steps, and he will allow you to connect with people who care about you, who will pray for you, who will love you through whatever it is that you're going through and who will not judge you because they understand that they themselves were at one time or at some time may be in the same position that you are currently in. So it's not okay to say that only the strong survive because we are called to do more than just survive. And we are to divine define strength the way that the kingdom defines strength. And Second Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 says we're strong in Christ when we are weak in our humanity. So it's okay to be vulnerable, open, and exposed. And um, I believe that that is what helps us maintain our ability to sympathize and empathize with other people. So again, thank you for spending this hour with me. I know that it was expensive. Time is a commodity that we cannot get back. I hope that you will join me next Monday. My name is Mariah Rose, and this has been another lovely, wonderfully enjoying episode of Out Loud and Unfiltered. Have an amazing week, and God bless you.